All right. Well, hey, if you got a Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians 2.10. And if I were to say that I have a favorite passage in the Bible, I would probably pick this one. But then you're going to hear me say that this is my favorite passage, usually the one that we're going through right now. <laughs> so if you got Ephesians 2.10, I'll look for those pages flipping, and I'll look for that warm glow of the screen on your face of God's Word. Ephesians 2.10. And I might actually start in verse 8, if you follow along with me. It says this, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is, a, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for, for which God prepared ahead of time that we might walk in them. And so uh, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is we're going to have an opportunity to hear from uh, two folks and myself uh, this idea that God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. What does that mean? That means that God is currently writing our story. If you're a believer here, God knows your story. He knows who you are, and your story matters. Every high and low part of your story matters in the kingdom of God. And so as we are talking through, we've been in our series this summer, Scope, which I think I have slides up there, guys, if we could get those up. Um, but Scope, if you guys remember, we started with S, which means... Scripture, which means scripture. We want to be a church about the book, about the word of God, scripture. And then we went through C. You guys remember scope and C means what? Community. And we went through an incredible journey about learning. What does God say we are to be to one another? That's how we become the church is that we, we live out the one another's. And then we looked at O, that we need to be a church that outreaches to our community. We don't just huddle up in here. But from the overflow of what Jesus has done, it should have ripple effects into our community and then we've been looking at praise here um, for this last two weeks. And as you guys remember, we want to be a singing church for a host of reasons, right? We want to be a church that praises the Lord. And today we're going to praise the Lord through what's called a testimony, a testimony. I, uh, I had a good friend one time uh, tell me about testimonies, and he just got this stuck in my head. I hope it sticks in your head. He says you first have to have a test. Before you got to have a testimony. And uh, he was, if you can tell, he was a, a black preacher friend of mine, so he could do it much more rhythmically than I could. But um, he, you got to have a test before you have a testimony. Well, the test for all of us is we know that we were dead in our sins, in our trespasses, and that God brought us from death to life in him. And now we have life eternally if we trust and believe in Jesus. And so that is every testimony is that we were brought from sin and into the kingdom of our beloved God through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so a testimony, and you need to hear this, 
a testimony, every single story, each one of your stories, if you have faith in Jesus, is an absolute and complete miracle. It's a miracle. Because you are dead in your sins and trespasses. You are brought to life. That is miraculous. And so I want you to hear this. Every single one of you, your story was written by God. Therefore, it matters. It matters because it was penned by God himself. And so what we're going to talk about today is we're going to give praise to the Lord through testimony. That's our story. A friend of mine also used to say, he'd go around and ask people, what's your God story? What's your God story? Where did he intervene in your life? And I wanted to kick us off. I don't know if some of you have heard my testimony. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, where, where I came from or where, where did God intervene in my life? See, I was a part of a Southern Baptist church in Casper, and they had this thing called VBS, Vacation Bible School. Anybody heard of it? Yeah, amen, right? Thank goodness. And, and there was a gospel-centered community at this church, and they preached the gospel to me at this week of VBS, and it was like childlike faith. I knew at the age of eight years old, I knew exactly what Jesus had done for me, and I was stoked to step forward at a service and say, yes, God, I want to receive salvation, not because of what I've done, but because of what you, Jesus, did for me. But at the age of eight years old, I placed my faith in Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit came into my life, but then I became a junior high boy. Bum, bum, bum. And the thing about me as a junior high boy is I became very aware and worried about what people thought of me. And so I began to try to do whatever I thought people around me wanted from me. Have you ever done that? It's called people pleasing. Anybody recovering people pleaser here? And so uh, I ended up been looking like every crowd. By the way, have you ever looked at a, a pool of high school students? You notice there's groups and they all look like each other. Each group, they all look like the group that they belong to. Well, that was me, but I would jump groups because one day I, this person told me, hey, here's what I want to see from you. I want you to do this. And so I would begin to dress, and I was a skater. And then I flip-flopped, and I decided, hey, I want to be, belong to the cowboy crew. So, man, I put on my cowboy boots. Some of you are having a really hard time picturing that right now, right? Like skater to cowboy. And then I was like, you know what? Uh, there were some... R&B rap music that was really coming into, you know, popularity in my, in my day. And so I was like, man, I want to be a rapper. And so I went from cowboy then to rapper because I thought the people around me, that's what they wanted. And believe me, you don't want to hear what my rap sounded like. And then as I got older, the things that people want around me wanted from me began to shift and change. And they got they got worse and worse and worse. And as you can imagine, they wanted somebody who was going to liven up the party. And I thought, oh, I can do that. And so I would go to the party, and I would liven up the party. And then I became the stoner because it seemed like everybody wanted that really chill guy to be around in their life. And so I kept seeking the approval of people around me. And it changed me. All the while, God was there, and the Holy Spirit was saying, I'm still here. And I know, Shane, who I made you to be. You're seeking the approval of all these people, but none of them know who I made you to be. And so I, uh, as I got into about my 
junior year of high school and I had made horrendous mistakes chasing the approval of people, I realized that uh, as I met uh, a, a pastor, he began to show me that I could have a relationship with Jesus and have an absolute blast doing it. And at the same time, I could learn who he made me to be and stop chasing the approval of others. And when I began to behold Jesus, I began to take those face masks off and I began to discover in Christ who he made me to be. And all of a sudden, a joy and a self-assurance that came from the Lord. I couldn't boast, but I could boast about who Jesus had made me to be. And so my testimony really finished when I put the pin in my old life. I think I've shared this before, but I was in a laundry room with my mom who was confronting me about finding a lighter in my pocket. And as she confronted me about this lighter in my pocket, I said to her, I lied to her face. I'll never forget this day. I lied to her face and said, oh, mom, it's just cigarettes, thinking that that would be a little less worse than what I was a part of. And as I walked out of that room, having lied to my mom, the Holy Spirit leveled me. He would not let me walk out of the room. I could not physically walk out of the room. And it was at that moment that, thank goodness, the Holy Spirit had been in my life. I turned around, I repented and confessed everything that I had been chasing over the last several years as a junior high and a high school student. And that moment of confession launched me into healing, into repentance, and into life with Christ and into his authorship in my story. And um, that's where God changed my life. It started with confession, repentance, and healing. And, and God now brought me, man, I uh, got involved in the college ministry. Couldn't, I got a taste for what it was to serve the Lord and couldn't. It was kind of like what the disciples say to, to the Lord when he says, are you guys going to go to? Are you guys going to leave? And what do the disciples say? Where are we going to go, Lord? What are we going to do? You're the Lord. And when I got a taste for him, it was like nothing else would satisfy. Brothers and sisters, I just want to stand before you and say, yay, God. Because that was not me. That was all him. So with that, I want to invite Tamara Jones to come up. And she's got a story, again, authored and penned by God himself. And so, guys, would you welcome her up? Give her a, just a warm round of applause. And I know she's a little nervous. She just gave me that look like, oh, I can't believe you're making me do this, Pastor. But brothers and sisters, would you listen? Good morning, guys. I am definitely, but I figure if I can be a fool for sin for so long, then how great it is to be a fool for Christ. <laughs> so excuse me if I get a little emotional up here. And I'm not a great public speaker, so I did... Um, go away this week to write my testimony, and um, it was awesome to just sit and be reminded of how far God has brought me and what he has brought me out of. It's hard for me to put into words what Christ has done in my life. It's almost as if trying to take a picture of something that the camera just can't quite capture the beauty of, but this is my best attempt of describing the bondage bondage I was set free of through Christ. I would feel better if I could tell you that I had some horrible childhood, but the fact is I did not. Then maybe my flesh could do some explaining away as to why I became an addict, but I had an awesome childhood with two parents who loved me 
and provided for me and my brother. I was raised in a church, and even as a child, felt that God had a purpose for my life. But make no mistake about it, the enemy still came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he almost did the job very well. But by the time I became 12 years of age, my mother had a several a severe mental breakdown. My grandmother had a stroke and would end up coming to live with us. And while my grandfather did things that I do not wish to speak of and would wind up in prison. Um, while my dad worked many hours to provide for our family, as well as my mom. So as a 12-year-old girl, I was left at home to take care of my paralyzed grandmother after I got out of school. My brother had moved out of her home at the age of 15, so I was completely by myself. This didn't leave much time for church or anything else in our lives. Not that that is, that, that is an excuse, but it is the truth of what happened. I began to resent taking care of my grandmother and to envy my friends being able to do norma normal teenage things. We had some neighbors that moved in that were partiers about a year prior to all of this happening. And because of this resentment and envy and just wanting to have fun, I began to go to their house and grab whatever I needed to get high, which was mo for the most part any type of pharmaceuticals I could get my hands on which started my journey into a long, dark road of addiction. I continued to use daily for years and could not even get up and function without them. I had no regard for my own life, let alone the people around me. I wanted to die and made it very clear that was my intentions. By the age of 19, I was life-flighted to a hospital and pronounced dead from overdose. This would happen four more times, only for my family to come pray over me and be brought back by God's grace. But this did not stop me, not one bit, but catapulted me even deeper into addiction because I had so much shame and guilt. I believed I was too far gone and not worth the fight, that even God could not redeem me. I made myself available to any man who showed me any kind of affection because I was looking to fill a void. I had no idea how to fill, which in turn, God gave me four beautiful gifts named Wyatt, Eli, Taylor, and Avery. But I did not treat them as such because I was a slave to the drugs that I was on. And eventually, one by one, they were taken away from me, which is something I'm not proud of. But I will tell you, just to show you the depths of my addiction, I never thought to myself as a little girl that I would end up where I was at. And that was definitely not my goals or dreams. So please keep that in mind the next time you see someone in that position. Spiritual warfare is very real, and so is the enemy. This is why our battle should be fought in the heavenly realms, praying for each other in love. Because we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. So please, if you have a loved one that struggles with this, know that no amount of forcing or wanting good for them will ever help them to get clean. Only putting on the full armor of God and standing in the gap for them when they cannot stand for themselves will help. Which brings me back to my father and mother. I believe their prayers, the prayers of others, and God's will are the only reason why I stand before you today. Even losing my children was not enough for me to stop doing what I was doing. And not, to lo- and not too long after this happened, my father got sick with cancer. And I watched the man I knew as my hero growing up lose all quality of life right in front of my eyes, and I didn't get completely clean, but did become functioning enough to help take care of him until he passed away in my arms. My father could not speak due to the cancer in his throat, but before he passed, he handed me a note that stated he would like the old hymn, Just As I Am, played at his funeral. And at that time, I paid no attention to the lyrics because, of course, I was too high. But later on, I decided to sit down and actually listen to the words of this song. And for those of you that do not know them, they go like this. And don't worry, guys, I won't sing it. (laughs) Um, It goes, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, with many a doubt, fighting and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. And it was like immediately... I knew this song was not for my dad, but for me. And it was like a light bulb going off inside of my head that I did not need to get cleaned up before I went to God or to be some type of way, but I just needed to come. So I decided to get some help, and I wish I could tell you that in that moment, I was instantly changed. I was not. But it was the beginning of my encounter with God and his love for me. Yet at that time, I was not sure of the depths of it. I would go on to go through a program four times because I knew how to stay inside of a program and do well, but I was so unsure of how to live in the world and not be of it. And let's be honest, there were bits and pieces of me that I was not willing to surrender. I did not understand that Christ is life and that he must be a part of everything I do and that I can do nothing apart from him. After the third round of a program, I went back to the same old thing, except this time God allowed me to have a Nebuchadnezzar moment, or at least that's what I like to call it. I literally began to lose my my mind along with everything else. I was living on the streets, sleeping on the top of a park table, when one morning a man in a van pulled up and honked his horn. 
and yelled out of his window and asked coffee or Coke. Mind you, I haven't ate in three days, so I yelled out coffee. And he pulled off, not saying another word. And in my mind, I was sure this was someone playing a cruel joke. A few minutes later, he arrived back with a coffee and a McDonald's breakfast sandwich and told me to have a good day. This man didn't say or do anything special. But as I walked back to the table, all I could think of was the story of the prodigal son. And when he finally came to himself, he realized that even if he went back to his father's house as a servant, he would be better off. But he wouldn't go back. He wouldn't go back to be a servant. <laughs> he would go back to have mercy and compassion bestowed upon him and have the best robe. <laughs> a ring and sandals for his feet, and a feast prepared for him. And so would I. At that moment, I turned and began my journey back to my father's house and never looked back. I begged God to show me how to be in the world and not of it. And he has continually changed me from that day forward to be more like his son. My life is definitely not perfect. And I struggle daily with regrets and wanting restoration of my family. But I am free indeed and have the most high on my side. And even if my life is not restored to what I believe it should be, my joy comes in Christ alone, not based on what he can give me. My home is not here on this earth. And one day I will be home and completely whole. And nothing can compare to that. I will ask you, as a church, one thing. Please don't be quick to give up hope on others. What may look like a complete unrestorable mess to you may be a masterpiece to God. And, would, and I would like to read a passage um, before I end. My testimony and find it. So it's Ephesians 3 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to, to do immeasurably more... Then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Better leave this up here. I'm going to need this. Hey, before you go, Tamara, would you just 
come up here with me. I just want to praise the Lord for what he did in your life and just thank him. They, they, can we just give God a shout for what he did in Tamara's life? So I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I just feel very privileged, God, to stand by one of your saints, that you intervened in her life, and that, God, now she gets to be in the family. God, we just thank you. I am so touched that your arms are always open for the prodigal. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you that your arms are open wide to us. Thank you for adding Tamara to our faith family. God, thank you for intervening in her life. And to, as she said, God, to you, to you, Lord Jesus, be the glory forever and ever. And God's people said, amen. Thank you, Tamara. Um, <clears throat> let me just get my eyes dry here for a second. Um, and I want to invite, uh, we've got another amazing story of our God from Regina. And so, Regina, I just want to have you come on up. And she's going to share the story of what God is doing in her life. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you for sharing that, all of us. Mine's not very good compared to that. But I do want to tell you what God has done. You know, I have kind of clung to this verse all year. And as the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? So when Pastor Shane asked me to talk, I said no, because big people scare me. <laughs> Give me a room full of littles and I can do it. But I just, so I have to remember this verse and not be afraid. But I want to share with you the past year that we have had in our family. It's been a little rough. And most, a lot of you know it, but there's a lot of details I just want to share with you guys today. Our son-in-law about a year ago had a stroke. He had a stroke while he was teaching school. He was teaching second grade out at Arapahoe. They life flighted to Salt Lake, and he did get to come home after about five or six days, and then he had several more strokes. Ryan um, was then had surgery October 4th. Surgery went really well, but about a few hours later, Corey gets a call, our daughter, in the middle of the night, and he had a brain bleed, and they had to go back in and do more surgery. We are all there and with the kids and everything, and they go back in. At this time, it's a little touch and go. Ryan was in the hospital for 102 days after that. He died several times. He was, of course, brought back. He um, was in ICU. I, we don't even, can't even count how many times he was back and forth to ICU. He uh, had to learn to walk again, talk again, eat again, take care of himself again. Uh, during this time, our daughter is driving back and forth. We have the children, which have three grandkids. At that time, they were 15, 2, and 4. And um, we were able to take care of them. Praise the Lord for that. But uh, Corey was driving back and forth over South Pass, back and forth, three or four days with her kids, three or four days with her husband. You know, when she was with him, she felt like she should be with her kids. When she was with her kids... She felt like she should be there. So it was, it was a hard time. It was a really hard time. It was a very difficult time. But God kept showing us amazing things during that time. And one of those things was this church did a fundraiser for them, and other churches joined in. And I can't tell you how 
amazing it was to see how all the churches got in and went in together and just did some amazing things for them, for that family. I, there was times at Corey's house, we'd be there and someone would knock on the door and we'd open the door and they would hand her an envelope and it'd be money in it. Somebody she didn't even know. People came by, people brought food. One morning after Ryan had come home, um, he, we were talking about what could we do for fast breakfast because trying to take care of Ryan in the morning was difficult and getting the kids fed and everything. And so we, we, she got a text, there's breakfast on your porch. So we opened the door and there's all these different types of breakfast to have for the next week. I mean, God was amazing how he filled those things. During this time, we also found out that Ozzy had prostate cancer. So we're dealing with that, but God is good. Uh, Ozzy also had melanoma cancer during this time. So, um, but God, again, showed us how he was there for us. Uh, you know, one thing that I always think about when I teach children about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember what they said? Even if, even if, and you said that several times, even if. God doesn't deliver the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the furnace, I will still worship him. And that's how we felt. Even if God doesn't cure Ryan totally of his stroke, we will still worship him. And we are still amazed at what people have done and how churches have worked together. I mean, that is a shout. And we should be amazed. He was supposed to be here today, and he's sick. But I just, he, he does amazing, and that is from God. And we're grateful for that. And the other thing I wanted to tell you is our little Kayla, you know, she had a stage five kidney, kidney disease, and she's almost a stage three, and she's not here today either. I wanted her to celebrate. But we have a lot of things in the church to celebrate, and that's exciting, all the miracles. The other thing I wanted to share with you is that one day, um, oh, a couple of things I want to share, I guess, but one day we were sitting at the table, and Ryan was waving, and we said, who are you waving at? And he said, Jesus. And we said, Jesus, what's he saying? And he said, I'm wait he's waiting for me. So I think that's a beautiful thing. The other thing I wanted to tell you about was that Ozzy in July was very, very ill, and they couldn't figure out what was going on with him. And they decided that he had acute leukemia because his blood levels were very low. He was in very bad shape. I know for those of you who know Ozzy, he's a worker, and he was not a worker. He was going out and laying in the garden and picking about three or four weeds and coming back in the house and sleeping for three or four hours. He was very, very ill. And we were like, they were telling us that we were going to have to go. They wouldn't take care of it in the state of Wyoming. We had to go somewhere else and, and to be prepared for this when the blood work came back and everything came back. Well, all of a sudden, we were asking people to pray, and all of a sudden... Ozzy starts feeling better. He's out in the garden a little bit longer. He's doing a little bit more. We go to the doctor, and they do blood work, and the doctor calls, and he goes, you guys are not going to believe this. Your blood work's normal. We said, we believe it. We know. And he said, and the doctor said, we're going to do it one more time because I don't believe it. They did it one more time, and it was even better than the day before. So God is amazing. So for you all, I wish you see Jesus. I pray you see Jesus in your backyard. And he said he's waiting for you. Oh, hold up, hold up. Ozzy, can we have you come up too? I'm just so touched by faith, even in the suffering. And because we walk with Jesus, it doesn't eliminate our suffering, but it does mean that our suffering matters and that we have hope. 
And I think these two have exemplified that hope even after, like, I'm walking outside and I see them huddled up. And that's when they're finding out about Ozzy's diagnosis. And uh, I walk up and they're just kind of in shock, but they're still preaching God's word to themselves, even in those moments of suffering. And so I just want to thank God for the, the Smith's face. I, they, I know they hate this. They hate being up front and getting praise. But also, yay, God. Amen. And so I just want to pray a prayer of thanks for you too. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Ozzy and Regina, uh, Lord. And we thank you for what you have brought them through this last year in hope. God, that you've been in every moment, you've given them little hints and little reminders that you're walking through every high and every low and every good diagnosis and every bad phone call. Lord, for Corey as well and, uh, and Ryan, Lord, we just pray. We pray your continued presence. We pray for healing. We ask the bid miracle, Lord, but we know that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And that, God, you're doing things that we couldn't see, think, or fathom, but we know, God, that we know, we know that they matter, that they're important, and that, God, you're walking with us through every one of those moments. God, we thank you for Ozzy and Regina being a part of our faith family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, so we wanted to break a little early this Sunday because we have this thing called a involvement fair, a ministry fair. But before I release us, um, I, as we've been just praising God, part of that praise is that we offer ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. We know that that's a part of our worship, right? And so I want to challenge you all in here as we break into an involvement fair to go downstairs where we'll have tables and we got maybe some little treats and snacks and we got what is God doing in and through our church. I want to give you a challenge. Would you give, would you give God the opportunity to be the author of your involvement in this church? I'm, I'm, I don't want to guilt you into signing up into, into things, but I want you to ask the Lord. Say, God, where would you have me serve? Where would you have me be a part of this faith family? And as I do that, I just want to share one little story. I used to, and I've told many of you this, I used to do college ministry. And my first two years of college ministry, I almost quit at the end of it. You know why? We would have college students over to our house, and we would serve them dinner. They would come in, they would eat, and they would leave. And... I was like, this is kind of frustrating because they're just coming, they're eating, they're leaving, there's no connection. I, we don't, what is God doing in their life? We want to, we like, become something together. And uh, my wife says, well, let's at least have them start doing the dishes with us. And so we began doing the dishes, and I began to call it the dishes ministry because all of a sudden they would eat, they would leave, but then they would eat, they would sit, they would sing, we would share testimonies, we would be praying and weeping in the kitchen. There were guys singing at the top of their lungs doing the dishes. What happened is we became a family. And then you know what? We started to invite them to come and cook dinner. And it was good sometimes. <laughs> but then through that course, we found out that in order to feel like a part of the family, you gotta step up and do the chores. And this crazy thing happens is God meets you when you're able to give yourself over to your faith family. Because where is God found? We are the hands and the feet of Christ, his church, the gathered believers, right? You're going to encounter God in a way you never could on your own. 
So with that challenge, would you step into doing the dishes with your church? And I, you will be surprised how God will meet you there. I'm going to pray for you. Um, and I just want to praise God again. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you meet us here and that every story matters because you are the author, the perfecter of our faith. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that as we go from here, that you would put on the hearts of those here to offer you up and let you write their story as part of this faith. God, I pray for every person that you would give them one thing, Lord, that you would, Holy Spirit, press on them one thing that they could do to involve themselves in our faith family together so that we could praise and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.